Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival in Drumheller from July 29th to 31st. Canadian thrash metal band WMD returns once again to Loudest Hell on the 28th. Although WMD has only released one full-length album at the time of this recording, they remain a popular name in the underground Canadian thrash metal scene, leading them to play with bands such as Death Angel, Warbringer, and Unleash the Archers. This year marks their fifth appearance at the Loud House Health Festival, and today I'm joined by Skylar Mills, the band's vocalist and guitarist. Thank you for joining me today, Skylar. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I appreciate it, especially after the confusion this weekend. Are you excited for the festival? Oh, man. 10 years and just like you said i couldn't believe it when you said the fifth time i was like five really i think the first time we played was in 2015 um and we were only a band for a year and somehow we ended up getting on that festival and i've been in love with it ever since it's something i look forward to i hope that we get to continue to play for as long as the festival's around so very excited I feel like everyone's said that they're basically in love with the festival. Like, why do you think that is? Well, it's it's a just like a bonding moment. Um, people travel from all across Western Canada. Um, some people come from Central Canada or wherever they're coming from and meet up. It's kind of like a family reunion. Um, there's a lot of bands that are local bands, um, and they play around BC throughout the year. So. You only get to see your friends kind of like once or twice or maybe once every two years but um at loud as hell you know your friends are going to be there so it's really exciting um and it's just a moment of celebration of this community that we have i love that attitude i think um every single one of my guests that i've chatted with um they've said pretty much the exact same thing yeah really and it's not a script it's legit it's you go there and you know you're going to make some friends and you know you're going to see some old friends so it's no worries it's just go there have some fun drink some beer or water bubbly whatever you're into have some pancakes and listen to heavy metal i don't think there could be anything better it's great and it's right in the middle of summer too so something to look forward to well and like you touched on before the conversation that's also in in the middle of your tour so where are you going for that and how long is it yeah um we're, we were like, obviously bunkered down during COVID and we, we ended up writing a album. Awesome. Um, and we were kind of like, well, we don't know when we were thinking, Hey, maybe we'll go to Europe. Maybe we'll go to the U S. Um, uh, but there, there was a time there where it was like opening up and then they shut it down and then it was open and then they shut it down. And we were kind of like, let's just get out there and play. Let's, Let's play in our backyard. So um, we we booked a tour with Deathris and some dates with our friends in Stench of Death. And we're starting in Vancouver on uh, July 2nd. And we're going to do a bunch of dates in BC and Alberta. Uh, and then we're going to stop touring on July 10th. So it's only 10 days. Um, our ex-guitarist is getting married. So... And we're all part of the groom's party, of course. So uh, we're going to go to his wedding. And then we're going to meet up with the tour on the way back uh, because they're going to go out to Eastern Canada. They're going to come back. And we're going to meet up with them in Winnipeg and finish it off in Loud as Hell. Uh, that'll be our last date on the Saturday night, Loud as Hell. 
that's a really great way to end everything hey oh man it's i'm i'm just hoping i have uh all the energy needed because it's going to be a crazy month once you get there you'll have the energy for sure yeah yeah i'm really excited because uh it's been a few years since i've been and and this is kind of the first year where it's like you know covid is kind of ramped down a little bit even though we all got to be careful still um the restrictions are kind of lowered so it'll be nice to let loose and see all the old pals definitely and as we touched on earlier um this is your fifth year playing at loud as hell so other than the size of the festival growing every year what keeps you coming back and uh, what are some of the biggest changes you've noticed Uh, well it's just hard to believe it's been 10 years um but uh, you know, Jeff has become a really good friend, and his wife uh, have become really good friends. And and Drumheller in general is just such a great town for supporting this. And I just think that they've really embraced um, this whole festival thing, and they work together to to make it a success. And people keep coming back, and it, it's just a genuine vibe. And it's like, why not, right? we needed this and it's so great to have, you know, BC has their metal festivals and it's just great to have a, a festival you can go camp at mm-hmm. in Alberta. And uh, Drumheller is a super unique area. Yeah. It's so, got some great uh, landforms down there for anyone who doesn't know it's in our badlands and they have a lot of hoodoos and plateaus and stuff. It's, it's pretty fun to hike around there as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Laudicell is 10 years old this year. Have you been every single year? I haven't been every single year, but um, I wish I have. <laughs> you know, um, you get sometimes you got to pick and choose your battles. Um, and when, when we're playing wherever, uh, we know what's happening. And yeah, it would be nice to go every year, but just haven't been able to make it happen. I think you are, if if I remember correctly, I think you are, guys are one of the one of the bands who's played the most. Really? I think so. Um, I'm just going off of a few posters that I've seen. Uh, this will be my first year, so I didn't really know much about it up until I was introduced by the uh, by the members of Hyperia. Mm. Yeah. yeah, those are good friends of ours. Awesome. Yeah, they're pretty chill. I was happy to meet them at their CD release party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were just, uh, we go to Vancouver and we stay at their house, so. Oh, cool. Um, we're pretty close, pretty close friends. Oh, good to hear. And they just moved out there uh, quite really recently in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they've gone out there and it was our plan to move out there too. Um, but it's just kind of crazy out there. <laughs> so, actually, our drummer, Nolan, he moved out there. He's been out there for a year um, in Vancouver. And um, I was supposed to go, but I met Sydney. Um, which is my fiance now mm-hmm. and we kind of got engaged during COVID as well and uh, she was still in school so I was like okay well I'll just wait it out and, and now he's moving back because it's just like it's like I can't I can't seem to get things going out here so he's coming back to Calgary and uh, just better for the band too because we could jam he was flying out every two weeks wow which is mind-blowing that but, is mind-blowing uh, He's one of the most dedicated guys I've ever met. Like he just knows what he wants and he does it. And so he was coming out every two weeks to rehearse and 
it didn't really interrupt the band him living a thousand kilometers away but good for him for having that determination and dedication to the band too yeah oh man um yeah there's the origin story is kind of funny in that in that regard when it comes to nolan uh i, I originally said no to him <laughs> what was the reason for that he just he wasn't that good <laughs> Fair enough. he just wasn't that good so so then how did how did that change and when did you come around well okay so um going back uh, i think the year would have been like 2013 um i don't know have you heard of a band called riot city i don't think so no okay they're like a heavy metal kind of like judas priest uh band and they uh they've been making some pretty good progress lately uh, i think they just flew out to headline a festival in boston um but uh we were all kind of friends and uh dustin the bass player and the drummer at the time and the guitar player kale uh were in shrapnel because i had some festival dates and some shows so they were like yeah we'll we'll fill in because they didn't have a full band i didn't have a full band but we were all hanging out um so we were playing um a bunch of shows and um those guys were kind of more into like judas priest stuff which i absolutely love and i was more into kind of like megadeth and testament kind of old school thrash metal so i kind of wanted to do a little a little bit of a different thing and so uh dustin joined riot city on bass because he was the guitar player in shrapnel mm-hmm kale was playing bass it was all mixed up but anyone who was there knows um and they kind of did that and then so i was in search for more members so i went on kijiji because that's what was around back then facebook wasn't really that that big and it wasn't like the thing that you would you could find a drummer so i went on kijiji and sure enough there was a i found drummers on kijiji before this but anyways sure enough there's this guy um who posted on there like moving to calgary um uh, from bc uh he's originally from penticton in the okanagan valley okay um looking for a band uh motorhead megadeth uh i think he said like acdc whatever something like that and i was like all right perfect let's meet up so we met up at the train station at marlboro mall and I was like, yeah, let's go back to my friend's house, which was Dustin's and Kale's, and let's jam. So I bring him in there, and <laughs> he sits down at the drum kit, and I'm like, all right, let's just, I'm going to play a riff, just play fast beat to it. <laughs> you know, let's see what you can do. So I play a riff, and he just comes in really fast, and then he just, dives down as the tempo just drops like in half and i'm just like what's going on here okay what the heck and he's trying really hard and he's just so frustrated he's like oh sorry i haven't played in a while oh he's he's all frustrated right and um i'm like all right well after like 15 minutes of trying i'm like all right all right well dude sorry but like i'm kind of looking for someone who's a little more got a little more chops, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, no worries. He was kind of frustrated, but he was like, no worries, man. I totally understand. I, ha- I haven't really been playing drums that much. And, and I'm like, no worries, man. 
whatever. How about let's just play slow riff? Let's just let's just play something slow. And he's like, okay. So uh, I play this riff, and then he just kind of comes in, and he's perfect on the slow riff. I'm like, all right, this is fun, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, he just moved to Calgary. We go back to my place. We hang out. We listen to music. We really bond, and uh, we we drink a bunch of beer. He ends up missing his first day of work. <laughs> Gets fired instantly. Uh, I'm like, all right, now this guy is kind of my responsibility. <laughs> like, I kind of got to take care of this guy. Um, and we we uh, hit it off right away. It was awesome. So um, he had an apartment downtown, and I lived up in Applewood. And uh, basically, he was so determined. Um, he just decided to buy an electronic drum kit. And he's like, I can't really set this up at my apartment downtown. Can I set it up in your basement suite? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're bored all day long, I'll just go to work and you can hang out here and practice. So that's what he did. And, um, after a while I would jam with him after work and we, you know, we just have fun. And every time he kind of like got out of control or lost it, I would just stop and just be like, okay, this is what happened. And, you know, we just help each other and he, he listened and he was so determined to do so well. Like I said before, he was like one of the most dedicated people I've ever met. Um, he played the drums all day long, but eventually he needed a job. So I was like, well, I could probably get you a job. So I got him a job. We were delivering drywall, uh, for Ken rock. And, um, Basically, at that point, he was living at my house. He never went back home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I he would we would jam. He'd sleep over. I'd drive to work, drive home, jam, sleep over. Same thing. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. We'd go to shows. We'd meet some friends. And uh, at that time, I actually joined another band called Hazard. Yep. Um, for like a small amount of time. Um they wanted to have kind of three guitars and I was like, cool, whatever. Like I just need to be in a band, Mm -hmm. you know, me and Nolan, what we were doing was just for fun. There was no way anything was going to happen. In my opinion, I thought it was just like for fun. So I joined them and we jammed for like a couple of months. And uh, and all of a sudden I get the boot. Um, I show up, it was totally like the Dave Mustaine thing, man. I show up with my gear, with my amp, they're in the other room just chilling i'm like okay good to go i'm like are you guys coming like what's going on and they're like well dude we got to talk and i'm like okay and they're like yeah we're thinking about uh just being like two guitars and i'm like okay that's that's cool <laughs> whatever so are we jamming and they're like no we're gonna drive you home i was like I was kind of pissed off, to be honest, because I came there with all my gear, yeah. set up my amp, and that's a lot. And then they tell me just to tear it down to drive me home. So they had their reasons. I won't go into what they said. They had their reasons or whatever. And basically, at that point, it was like, whatever, me and Nolan are going to just jam and have fun. And, you know, basically. So um, a couple like I had a festival lined up for that summer and a couple weeks later, Jake went, who's was the bass player in hazard at that time. 
contacted me. He's like, Hey man, how are you doing? And I was like, yeah, pretty good, man. You know, sucks, whatever that happened, but I'm doing pretty good. I got these festival dates though. Um, and he's like, well, I could probably fill in. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Come, come by the house and jam. So we were in a one bedroom basement suite. The jam space was in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, uh, Jake came and we're jamming and it's, it's feeling pretty good. You know, I got a couple tunes going that slow riff. Um, it stayed, we kept that. That's the ending riff in a song called toxic burn off our first album. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we just started making pretty good progress and me and Nolan talked and we were like, man, we got to keep this guy. Like we got to do everything we can to like show this guy that, you know, this is fun. This is better than over there. And you know, this is what you want to do. So, and we didn't even really try. We just had fun. And eventually Jake quit hazard and on his own thing, we didn't force him or anything like that. He was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So he joined and next thing you know, I had a band. So then do you guys, do you and hazard still have like a friendly rivalry thing going on? Uh, I would say it's it's kind of friendly, like it's more so like funny because all of that kind of stuff happened, and then we were like friends, and you know we've hung out, we've played shows together, and that we were a lot younger back then too. Just water yeah. under the bridge at this point. Yeah, pretty much. That's good. Yeah. You guys, if correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys originally formed in 2010 under the name Shrapnel, or was that was that like a completely different project? Um. Well, it was still my band, um, but I would say it was a completely different project because all of the events I was talking about just now were about 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. So I was probably 18 um, at that point. And when I started playing, I was about 15. Uh, that's when I really got into heavy metal and music. And that's when I decided I want to I want to do this. So then what drove you to uh, guitar and vocals? Um, when I was 13, I left, uh, Nova Scotia. So I was raised in Nova Scotia and, uh, situation wasn't really working out there. So when I moved to Calgary, um, well, I moved to Alberta and I wanted to get in contact with my biological father before I was too old. I was like, ah, I kind of want to, you know, get to know him before I'm like, before it's too late. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting in contact with him and him and his girlfriend at the time and their three daughters agreed to bring me in, which was awesome. And uh, my my dad was a musician himself, uh, but he had laid down the guitar for quite a while, I think 10 years or something like that. And then when I came around, he kind of started getting back into it. And um, he had bought me tickets to go see Metallica in 2008. Um, and that would have been my first concert ever. Oh, nice. Never even, never even been to a concert. Um, but, um, I'll back up just a little bit. So I had an MP3 player and, uh, he's going to load some music on it for me. And he's like, well, what kind of music do you like? And, uh, at that time I knew exactly what I liked because when I was five years old, I received a tape that had three songs on it 
the Black Sabbath songs, Iron Iron Man, War Pigs, and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And I was obsessed with that tape. I just would I would just rewind it like with a pencil and put it back in the tape player and listen to it. Rewind it and listen to it. I loved that tape. I loved Black Sabbath. I loved Ozzy. And I have my my mom to thank for that because uh, I grew I lived with her from the age of one to five. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but hey, that's where my influences come from. Um, that young, but anyway, so I just told him I don't know, like I love Black Sabbath and like uh, you know War Pigs, like that riff that goes dan 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 dan. And he was like, oh, okay. So he does some typing, pulls up a song, cranks up the stereo, and he's like, how about this? And it's like, dan, 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 dan. And it was Master of Puppets. And I'm like, whoa. It's like, <laughs> you know, twice as fast, twice as powerful. It just blew my mind. And yeah. then he kind of just went into Iron Maiden. And I didn't really understand Iron Maiden right off the bat, but Metallica for sure. So then he bought me some Metallica tickets right on the floor. I was like 14 years old with my best friend at the time and i was just like blown away at the show like that was my first experience hearing live music and just to see the crowd and to hear the environment everyone was so excited and uh they came out and just killed it too like you know it's metallica so after that i was like wow that was amazing and then he bought me tickets to see megadeth 20th anniversary of rest in peace and that was kind of more of an old school vibe with Exodus and Testament opening up. Yeah. And I was, I was scared at that show, man. Like I was like a little kid and there's like a circle pit around me. I'm like, Holy. <laughs> and then it wasn't long before I was in that circle pit, you know, and I just had the best time. And after that, I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. So after seeing James Hetfield and Dave Mustaine, I just kind of fell into that role. Like it's kind of hard to find a vocalist. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm definitely not a very good vocalist. I'm not trained. I, I was not trained on guitar either. I just did it. I just felt like doing it. So I did it. <laughs> well, I mean, practice makes perfect, right? And whether you're trained formally or you learn yourself, you learn either way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's music. So it's what you feel. It's the most important thing. Exactly. As far as like learning the guitar goes, um, like you, you had external influences like other musicians and stuff like that, but have you ever sought out, like, have you ever utilized something like YouTube or different programs that help you learn? Yeah. Um, actually what really kind of got me into a lot of the other music was guitar hero. And I remember when I first started, um, I had, I was basically, I convinced my best friend to play bass and he asked for a bass for Christmas and got it. Um, and then an, another guy I knew he was a guitar player, but he had an electronic drum kit at home as his dad's or something. So I convinced him to pick up the drum so that we could form a band. This was in the very, very beginning stages in 2010. And um, basically what I would do is I would go on practice mode on Guitar Hero mm -hmm. for the drums turn off the volume. I would learn the song on guitar through my amps and Tyler at the time, he would just watch the screen. So he knew what drums to hit. Oh, that's and cool. We would, we would jam through the song and he would never fail because it was practice mode. So yeah, we, we just started jamming songs through guitar hero. And then, um, yeah, I, 
more recently now, I, I've uh, really leaned on uh, a guy named uh, Kiko Luero. Okay. He plays guitar in Megadeth, and he's, uh, he's a really, really good guitar player. Um, I'm actually mentoring him right now. Um, so we meet twice, twice a month. We meet on Zoom for like six hours or seven hours, and uh, he has a whole course on guitar playing. So I've been kind of starting that over COVID. Awesome. trying to get better and better so that would be more formal training i would i would assume just trying to take it a little more serious mm-hmm. how did you go to, uh how did you decide to go down that route i just have this desire to reach bigger goals and i knew that i've plateaued in my ability like i'm starting to ask questions to myself that i don't know the answers or mm-hmm. so i'm trying to search out professionals that can really expedite or speed up the process. It seems like somebody like Kiko would be kind of, you know, untouchable just based on who he plays with. How did you get in touch with him? Yeah, he's, he's a God, man. Like it's insane. His playing is insane. He's regarded as one of the best for sure. Um, on a, he had like a, he opened up a mentorship um, thing where he, he wanted to choose some people to mentor so I put in an application because I was like, you know, I've been following him. I've been following his guitar course and just trying out um, that. And I really loved his teaching style. And he, he's a great guy, a genuine guy. So I just put it in there. And next thing you know, I get an email. So, uh, yeah, that's basically that's basically how we got in contact. That's really cool. And that he's, yeah. um, that he's looking to kind of spread the knowledge. Yeah, I know. So I think there's like 10 of us he chose. Um, and yeah, it's it's amazing, man. He's It's so cool to just have that kind of reassurance from someone on that level and that guidance. So, Definitely. And it says something because he's been doing it for so long as well. Yeah, it's his 50th birthday coming up. Do you know when that is? Uh, July 16th, or sorry, June 16th. Oh, that is coming up like next week. Yeah. Well, happy belated birthday, Kiko. This will come out after the birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweet. That's really cool. Um, okay. So somebody who doesn't play instruments, um, would a video game like Guitar Hero or Rock Band, would that actually help learning instruments? A hundred percent. You know, you're connecting the dots uh, between your mind and also, you're exposing yourself to more music. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're playing the drums, you're watching on the screen, you're listening to the drums maybe in a different way than you would just listening to it in the car. So mm. I think it has benefits. Um, it helped me find new music that I love when I was young. And uh, yeah, it's a game, but it's rock and roll too. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Well, and I mean, it, it helps you multitask a little bit too. Like, I think one of the reasons I never got into, uh, sorry, got into guitar, um, cause I had trouble like picking and playing with the strings as well as kind of strumming the instrument. Um, and then I never knew which way to hold it, which is pretty, pretty basic if you have a left or right handed <laughs> guitar. But at the time I had no idea. I was like, I don't know, seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did, uh. Going back, sorry, to Shrapnel, um, I just wanted to know, how, how did that change and morph into WMD? Yeah, so I, I can continue on with that story. So we had Nolan and Jake 
in myself in the jam space and uh we needed another guitar player mm -hmm. we were like hey well we need we need a second guitar player you know um and nolan was advocating for one of his um longtime best friends from penticton um and we we did some auditions and we had no luck and no one really you know stood out so he was like well there's this guy from penticton uh, that you would absolutely love and get along with. He's awesome. I've known him since like kindergarten. We've been best friends all throughout school. Uh, his name's Brody. He's awesome. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah, like, sure, why not? Let's get him out here and see what he's all about and try try him out. So there's a, a Lamb of God Testament concert. Um, I'm not sure the year, but anyways, here in Calgary. So it was kind of perfect. They came out for that. And at the same time, um, when I say they, uh, Brody and a couple of his buddies came out. Um, and at the same time, we tried them out. And I sat down with him. And um, he was playing along. I was like, okay, now play something clean. And he played something really, like, just amazing and beautiful. I remember just being like, okay, this is awesome. And... I was pretty impressed, whatever the night goes on. Next thing you know, um, Nolan's like, okay, hey, well, yeah, so he's going to move here. Can he live with you? <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. Like, when is he going to move here? And he's like, in a week, his uncle's driving through Calgary in a week. He can get a ride. And I'm like, well, well I, I didn't really say he's in the band. And he's like, yeah, but you like him, right? And I'm like, well, well yeah. And then it was just kind of like, well okay i guess and then he showed up he showed up with like a duffel bag his guitar and like an ounce of weed like a literal ounce of like vacuum sealed bc bud and we just like i was like hey how's it going i guess you're here now so <laughs> it was me nolan and brody in a one-bedroom basement suite with like a kitchen there was no kitchen it was like totally renovated bad so that they could like make money off the basement and uh we all lived in there and we started writing riffs and we started just jamming and next thing you know it was like time to play the festival nice and that was that was like july i can't remember sorry i can't really remember the dates i have a hard time with that Maybe it was February. I can't remember. Sorry, but the rest is history. <laughs> so, how did you come up with the name WMD, and uh, why did you choose "When Minds Develop" versus something like a stereotypical "Weapons of Mass Destruction"? Yeah, so that's a really good question. We were flipping through a magazine in that basement suite, and on the back page, there's this band from the UK, and it says Shrapnel, and it's just like these fucking thrashers right and i'm just like oh ah, uh, well we need to change the band name right now <laughs> <laughs> so brody was like well i have this concept called uh wmd when minds develop and i was kind of like i don't really i don't know and i was just kind of in that mood where it was like nothing could please me at that point i was just so bumped out it's like whatever like nah i don't know i don't know if i like that and I kind of had this idea of like a name that doesn't kind of give us barriers. Like I felt like shrapnel kind of gave us a barrier. Like we needed to be like 
this metal thrash thrash metal thing so i was kind of searching for that and then over the over the time of like a couple months it started to like set in i was like we came up with some other terrible names like blazer that was one of the (laughs) worst blazer and uh yeah so eventually it grew on me and i was like you know what that's awesome like let's let's do that that's actually a really really cool concept so that's that was brody's idea and uh we did it we just went with it designed the logo had some friends help us get a logo and uh we played our last shrapnel show we called it our last show and everyone kind of came out and we had like a sheet and we just like ripped the sheet off and then there, there was the wmd logo oh sweet behind and new band was born that's cool i like your na- uh, new name partly because like wmd still it screams thrash to me but then when minds develop kind of transcends that boundary and kind of pushes it uh to me at least in like a proggy route not not the music just the name totally yeah and and brody's totally into prog too he's total prog head so that makes total sense um but i just thought i love the concept um you know when minds developed like the the mind is the ultimate weapon of mass destruction when it's developing right like we created some of the craziest weapons of all time that could totally wipe us out 5,000 times over it's like why well when mine's developed right <laughs> you know that's pretty cool I'm, i can see why you kept it yeah definitely it's it's, it's awesome man so with uh shrapnel you had uh, a demo uh, aptly titled demolition um you yeah. included the song wmd um was yeah. that kind of the change as like was that kind of the chain beginning of the change of your band or was that just something that you included because you wanted to make a song about that that was definitely the beginning of the change. We kind of knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look on the cover art, there's like a little, I think I haven't seen it in forever, but there's like a little thing that says like WMD on the barrel or something like that. We kind of like alluded to it a little bit, or I, I can't really remember where it is, but um, we, we kind of knew that it was coming. Okay. Um, but yeah, that demo, man. <laughs> We just slammed that demo out. We were like, we had this awesome opportunity to play with Havoc. And it was like one of our biggest shows at the Palomino at that time. And we were like, oh, we got to have some music out. Let's. So our good friends in Black as Sin um, totally stopped recording their album. Let us roll in for like two days. We recorded those four songs and that was it. It was like, okay, hey, let's print it on a CD and let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So shout out to those guys because... They, they halted their album recording uh, just for us to come on in and, and get some music recorded for that show. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we had such... Like, over the years, man, the support has been just so mind-blowing and just, like, it's helped me so much mm-hmm. with, with everything. Just the validation and just the, the love and the, and the friendships. It's It's truly amazing, the community that is in calgary that's really good to hear like i i love the scene but it's it's also really good to hear from like a musician standpoint like um we were chatting earlier like i i really enjoy the metal scene i love the the crowds i love the energy but when you know that that feeling is reflected by the bands as well and they all kind of know each other it just makes it that much more special yeah absolutely and uh it could easily go the other way but everyone chooses to chooses to have a smile on their face and support each other no that's a better way to go anyways um 
<clears throat> on your demolition, two of the or on your demolition on your demo, uh, two of the tracks were then re-released on your album. Um, the songs not included were WMD and Baptized by Fire. Uh, what made you choose to leave those songs out? Well, WMD, um, we kind of wanted to save for like a self-titled album one day if we decide to do that. So that was kind of the reason on that one. Um, and Baptized by Fire, we felt like we kind of ripped off um, like uh, Diamond Head, okay. like Metallica at the beginning because it does like this marching thing. And um, yeah, we just decided decided that and it was kind of also like a lyrical content thing um i wrote that song about uh, i was in foster care for a couple of years so i was in like an extremely religious situation and it was brutal and so i just decided to like leave that in the past with the new album i kind of didn't want to go there for some reason at that time no fair enough um did you happen to re-record the other two tracks for the album or did you just put them on as is yeah, we re-recorded them. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we re You've gone through a lot of changes as a band. Um, like, you've had a couple lineup changes. You've obviously changed your name. You're moving forward. And most recently, I've noticed, like, a pretty big change with your logo. Yeah. Is that a, a permanent change, or is that just something that you're doing with the Death Wrist Tour? No, I think... Well, you know, I've always thought that this whole logo could, like, evolve over time. So like different stages of what we're doing, the logo could change. And I kind of like that idea. So that's, that's basically that. It was just like, you know, we were kind of getting tired of the old logo a little bit. Let's, let's spice it up. Let's make it look a little more intense because our music is more intense. Um, the new music is way more in the direction that we've wanted to go for a long time. So same with the logo. So we're just trying to evolve forward it looks really good thanks man no problem did you end up doing that yourself or did you uh, seek somebody out to kind of help to tweak everything i definitely got help i'm a terrible artist <laughs> um but yeah we had a, a really good friend named john who uh did the logo for us and we just made some tweaks over time and we recently even made some more tweaks we're we're kind of talking about maybe taking out the bomb mm. and uh just seeing what we can do without the bomb and you know we're we're constantly trying to perfect our baby which is wmb so you never know it might change again soon um but yeah what are some of the biggest changes in your music coming uh coming out with this new record i would say just a lot more intent and um aggressiveness heaviness like some of our some of our parts are just a lot more kind of groovy in the in the pocket where we want it to be um yeah i feel like as a vocalist i'm a lot more relaxed um i'm not trying to reach out of what i can do so things are just kind of feeling a lot more complete and comfortable and it helps that you guys have been uh, together for quite a bit longer now, too. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, Nolan and I have a crazy, crazy amount of, like, um, like we work together really, really well. And that can only happen over time. Like, I, I, I believe that it takes about a year 
with the drummer to start to get in the groove in the pocket together as a musician because I've jammed with a bunch of drummers and it's kind of seems like that's the way it's gone mm-hmm. after about a year you kind of get in the pocket with each other and then you get you understand each other's musical language hmm. that makes sense it's basically like a language yeah yeah totally hmm. does that depend on uh say the style of music you're trying to play whether you're jamming or like playing something that you hear on the radio versus your own um i would uh, that's a good question. I think maybe if you're doing covers, it's a little bit different. Mm. Might be easier just to do what's happening. But uh, when you're trying to write, when you're, especially with thrash, there's a lot of kind of groove that is like hidden that you don't really, maybe as a listener, kind of catch. But as a player, you're right in that groove. Um, and just that kind of stuff. Like if, if the beat's being rushed for the riff, like, um, you know, Nolan and I are right in the pocket and that's what kind of keeps us so tight. And we know exactly kind of just like where each other, where we are all the time. Well, it's kind of like you touched on earlier when, um, when you were playing rock band there or guitar hero, um, listening to the music differently because you're actually trying to pay attention where the notes are and what the instrument is doing. Yeah. So I can see that kind of working with like another, uh, another musician, trying to learn their their tempo their style what is your creative process like do you guys all have like um like equal input or do you um do you mostly fall fall back on yourself yeah um usually what happens it's kind of changed quite a lot during covid Mm -hmm. but generally what happens is i'll come up with a riff and like an idea and then i'll go to the jam space with nolan and i'll be like playing this and he'll play and then we'll just go to the next part and it'll just come out and that's that's when the best music for us is is made is basically when it's like there's this energy between us that just like explodes into a song so that's kind of been the process for this last album and uh that's why i think it's so good like it's not recorded yet it's not going to be recorded for a while but um, it's just like this pure energy between us. So, um, and then what we what we'll do? We've been working on some of the lengthier songs. Like there's one song that's like nine minutes, and we've been kind of we we're still working on it. And what we'll do is one of us will be like, ah, I don't know about that, and then we'll be okay. Well, what can we do to like kind of make this better? So what's really cool with the three of us is that we're totally into just perfecting and working with each other. There's no struggle. There's no, like, well, that's my riff. Like, I, you know, I really want it played that way. It's just kind of like, well, okay, let's save that riff. Let's see what we can do. Like, if it's not, we're just in the mindset where it's like, we're all 100% into it or it's not going to happen. That's a good way to be as well, because like, then everybody feels valued and that their input actually has meaning rather than somebody who's just like, this is what we're going to do, guys. Let's record. Yeah, and it it took me a while to get to that point, but I'm really grateful that I've I've done that because before I wasn't always so easy to work with. Sometimes I'd be like, no, this is it. And because I had this super strong vision of what I wanted to do and, you know, and that's just not the way to go. Like, you have to be, your band has to be fun. Mm -hmm. And if you can find guys that are, 
uh, fun to be around, you know, you can trust and they're really good at what they do and you, and you can respect each other. Then you can lean on each other and trust each other to create music together. So um, what changed there? You used to be kind of like in control and say, this is how things are going to be. You've obviously become self-aware that self-aware enough that you're like, this isn't what I want for the group. This isn't what I want for me. What changed in the middle there? Yeah, I think, I think just maturity mm. and um, just the realization of uh, the long-term goals that I have. Um, and, and yeah, just trying to be a better person. You know, you gotta, you gotta self-reflect and, and look at yourself and be like, why isn't this working? You know? And it seems like it just from what you've said today, it just seems like you're, you're trying to turn this into a band that has like longstanding band members instead of like recycling them or not recycling, but cycling them out from time to time. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, for me, uh, I've gone through so much, um, kind of like struggles through, through my life. And a lot of people have, and, uh, just the relationship I've built with, uh, Jake and Nolan and even Brody, uh, it's really important. Mm -hmm. It's really important to me. And I, I feel like, you know, a brotherhood like that doesn't come around all the time. So it's really important to embrace it and, and let it flourish in the way that it should. Yeah, it's a great way to do that. And like, you can't control uh, most of the bullshit that comes your way. So what's the point in making what you can control full of bullshit too? Yeah, exactly. And and we've, we've had to deal with our fair, fair share. Like, so when I feel like once you get to a point when you've dealt with so much, it's just like, well, we, all we have is each other. Mm -hmm. You know, let's either we make it great or we make it miserable. It's in our hands. This kind of leads into my next question and it's only talking about like your music, your showmanship and like a band to look up to. So you guys have been on, been around for just over 10 years there, a little bit over 10 years if we're talking about Shrapnel as well. Um, you've only come out with one album. That's not an insult, just an observation. Despite your the size of like your quote unquote musical library, a lot of guys that I've talked to have mentioned you as somebody that they aspire to be like, like your band, um, whether it be with the intensity, the showmanship, um, the music itself. And not only that, but you've played with a long list of very well-known bands. So for what what has led to that underground popularity and and why is there this unanimous reaction towards you guys? Wow. Uh, that's really nice to hear. And um, yeah, uh, that's a really good question too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, um, I feel though, as though um, we've just, we've just been lucky in, in a way where uh, people have kind of liked what we do and they want to support us. And uh, it's always been important to me to, to be a good person. And I feel like if you just, are a genuine guy in any aspect of life, people are going to be a little more open and hear you out or give you a chance to express yourself. And I think that's exactly what happened with us. Um, we just, we just did what we did and we didn't try to, we didn't try to take anything for granted and we just respected what we do or what other people are doing. And we were able to get opportunities. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's, yeah. I think the bottom line is just uh, do what you do, but be a good person about it. And uh, 
just keep putting one step forward. It seems um, simple. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a simple answer. And when you're on stage, release everything you got. Like that's when you're gonna release your upset that maybe a festival said no to you, mm-hmm. or um, maybe another band is getting more opportunities, or that band has released a couple more albums than you, or whatever it may be. If that's the way you think, save it for the stage. You know, uh, you know, if you're the drummer, hit the drums harder. Or if you're the vocalist yell a little harder or get the crowd into it just feed off that energy in that way and then when you come off the stage um just respect everybody because everyone has struggles and everyone's going through their shit so just do what you do because you love it i think that's the main the main thing for me um is that i do this because i love to do it and i'm not gonna stop like even someone trying to take us out it's not gonna stop us yeah that's pretty intense um do you feel like touching on that at all or yeah yeah we could talk about it for sure uh we're finally kind of in the mind space where we're like okay let's let's let people know what happened to us this is our story this is why we were so quiet for such a long time and this is what kind of motivates us to keep going forward um so yeah i'm okay with touching on it all right so uh this was in the beginning stages of uh wmd forming this was after shrapnel correct yeah okay i've never had somebody try and kill me before so how does that feel (laughs) (laughs) uh it's scary uh life really just like flashes before your eyes like it really does you're you just kind of think to yourself this is real um it was it was traumatic and confusing Mm -hmm. very confusing so for uh for the listeners who haven't heard the story what happened and how did you resolve it yeah so um i know i've been talking quite a lot but um i'll tell you the story so while we were while we were recording our first album uh lethal revenge we were actually recording in, in the basement of a house um where Brody lived at the time and I was staying there kind of couch surfing. Um, and then I moved in, but anyway, so it was me, Brody, our friend, Brandon, our friend, Michelle and Brody's girlfriend at the time. Um, we were all in the house, uh, and we were recording our album in the basement. So we put some amps in a closet. Um, the drums were already recorded. We went out to Kelowna to record those. So we were just focusing on all the instruments and the vocals. And uh, kind of while we were recording, uh, we noticed that uh, um, our windows were getting scratched, like keyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, okay, that's random. We didn't really think much of it. Um, and then a couple weeks go by, and uh, Jake's vehicle, um, our bass player, uh, had a message written on the back is tailgate and it basically said wmd or pussies and they smashed his back window then my van broke down then brody's truck broke down jake's vehicle broke down nolan's vehicle broke down and we just didn't really think much of it but brody took brody had a brand new truck so he took his vehicle to the dealership and they were like well there's sugar in your gas tank man that'll kill your engine. 
so we just all assumed like holy so someone put sugar in our gas tank now like are we are we making someone angry that we're making so much noise here in the basement like what's going on um and then there was more messages um on our vehicles that were renewed and uh the person came back and um poured oil all over brody's truck like on the windshield and the driver uh window so at that point we were like hey we need to get some cameras this is getting crazy so we went to costco and got like an eight pack of cameras and set them up at the front of the house and um had a monitor and we decided uh you know what we're gonna pay somebody well before that actually we were watching the camera so me and brody would take turns throughout the night stay up all night and watch the cameras because we were trying to catch this guy um we had let the police know and everything but they they were just like okay if it happens again let us know and uh we decided we were going to watch the cameras while working a full-time job and that was just getting brutal you watch the cameras all night long try to go to work is you know i was driving a big truck at that time it was just brutal so more stuff happens um windows are getting smashed tires are getting slashed and uh we decided we're gonna hire a friend to watch the cameras so uh we could get a good night's sleep for work and record the album so we actually had our friend who was recording the album stay and watch the cameras because he was a night owl anyways uh, and he had uh, like history doing security and all that so it just seemed fitting it got to the point where we couldn't afford to pay him anymore so one night we were kind of hmm i don't know man yeah you know what go home we can't really do this anymore uh thank you so much and he was like yeah no problem so he went home and that night at about 3 30 a.m someone stalked the house for like 15 minutes it's all on the cameras um someone like you could see them down the street hiding behind a car and then five minutes later they would walk up further to another car and watch the house and then come a little bit closer and then what they did was they came to the house and one of the cameras was sitting on top of a vehicle mm -hmm. they they took that camera and tilted it down and they went over to my van which i had actually towed there as bait um, because it wasn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. So I towed it to the driveway as bait because that's where we had all the cameras. And uh, keep in mind, this person would show up in a hood, a full face mask, gloves, big, big jacket. You couldn't tell who this was. And there, there was like hair. You couldn't tell if it was a wig or not. So anyways, it's 3.30 in the morning. Brody said he woke up, kind of like rolled over sideways, and he could see the monitor of all the cameras, and he saw this flickering, and he thought that was odd. And then one of the cameras was like all white; it was black. It was white, white out from the guy tipping it over, the girl, whoever it was. And uh, so he got up, looked outside, and my van was on fire. Jesus! So he he comes up knocks on my door and he's like Skylar Skylar your van's on fire I'm like kind of groggy like what oh shit so I get out of bed I go to the kitchen find the biggest bowl that I can it's like a little 
bowl for popcorn. It's like nothing. <laughs> Fill it up with water as fast as I can. Run outside. Get in front of the flames. I'm like, holy. You know, the house is melting. The house, the fence is on fire. My van's the flames going 15, 20 feet. I put the bowl down. This is all on camera. I put the bowl down. And I just start waking up the neighbors because they had kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that thing could have exploded. So we get everyone out of the house. Um, and we call 911. And Brody gets in his truck because it was fixed at this time. He gets in his truck and just peels off in his underwear and is just trying to search. He's trying to search for people to see if anyone's around. And, you know, we had a rope and we had our shoes to, ready to go but beside our bed. Like we all had that ready to go because we were that on alert. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he said he, he got out to the main street, 52nd street and looked and there's this huge plume of smoke. And he's like, he said he couldn't believe that that was our house. That's insane, man. Yeah. So, um, the fire department showed up, put out the fire. Luckily they, they were champs. They just went in there with a the hose right into the van as flames were bursting, just put that thing out and uh you know the neighbor was out with a hose trying to put it out in his underwear and we didn't know if that was a gas fire or what so we had to tell him to stop it was it was brutal but um then the cops showed up and they're like well come come to this building at like 8 a.m the next morning and we're like okay so we go um and basically do an interview where they like take us in a room and they ask us what happened and what we know and who we know and all this stuff. And it's all recorded. And, you know, we're with an investigator and, uh, man, I'm just shaking, just starting to think about it. Um, and then that day after the interviews around 10, um, I brought out a work truck and we just started packing the house, packed up the recording of our album and packed up the house. And, uh, we went and stayed, me and Brody went and stayed, uh, with his girlfriend and and his, and her mom at the time, and uh, Nolan went and stayed with his brother. And uh, yeah, so basically, the cops told us to stay quiet. They were like, you know, don't don't impede the investigation. Stay low, stay quiet. Don't mention anything happened to anybody. Just stay normal. And that was really really difficult uh, because that summer we had like five festivals booked. And we had shows and, and this was in May. So June, July, we had like two, two or three months to kind of get everything going. We were supposed to have this album released with Unleash the Archers. So the first thing I did was I told Unleash the Archers and, and um, Distortion at the time, which was the venue, that we're not going to have an album release because it was supposed to be a dual release. Um, and we had to tell them, look, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were some of the first people we told. Unfortunately, we can't do the album release, but we'll still play. So Mark Russell, who plays in a band called Citizen Rage, and uh, Eagles and Owls, or Owls and Eagles, I, I can't remember, but um, Killer Killer Bands, uh, he was running Distortion at the time, and he was kind enough to bring in extra security and pat everyone down and uh, had security guys up there um, standing on the side of the stage you know, ready to go for if something happened for us. Because like I said before, um, 
nothing was going to stop us from doing what we wanted. So um, luckily we had some friends help us out uh, with the jam space. Um, but we did have to pause the album, uh, the recording of the album. Um, so yeah, man, uh, after that it was, we played all the festivals, but, uh, and we did what we had to do, but there was a lot of, uh, struggle within the band. You know, we were kind of, and looking back on it, we were, you know, not coping with what happened. We were told to be quiet. We were told to not acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And we were just so kind of like scared. And so we were kind of bringing it out on each other in the jam space and arguing and fighting. But every time we did that, we knew we, we had this like deep respect for each other. So we always hugged and, you know, told each other sorry or called each other after. So, but we were just trying to sort out what the hell just happened. And, um, yeah. So for me, the trauma lasted about a year had like PTSD couldn't sleep at night. Um, you know, I, if I heard a car in the middle of the night, I'd get up and watch the window all night long. Um, there was times where I'd be walking down the street and uh, if, if a vehicle came that matched the description of the vehicle of these people, I would dive behind a bush <laughs> and hide. Understandable. So, yeah. Pretty scary stuff, man. If somebody's willing to let your vehicle on fire and scratch the windows, slash your tires and stuff, he's not going to care about running you over. Well, yeah, or or whatever, man. So, yeah, it it was uh, considered arson and uh, five counts of attempted murder because the house was on fire and there's five of us sleeping in the middle of the night. And uh, if Brody didn't wake up, it for sure would have gotten Brandon and Michelle because. There, the way the house was, there's a lip, and the van was underneath the house. Oh my god! Um, so they and their beds were right above the flames, like the house was on fire right where they were. So, um, yeah, if Brody didn't wake up, who knows who would have been here? If the band still would have even been around. So. Holy fuck! Thankful for him, for sure. So, how did that feel having to deal with that kind of stuff, and then do this album release party? Like it must have felt pretty like a you're extremely uncomfortable um, and kind of worried about what could happen, but then you're dealing with all this stuff that that not a lot of people could process in that short of time. Yeah, I I think we just we relied on we just played the shows, man. We went and played festivals, and that was kind of like our way of getting out. We knew we weren't in Calgary anymore, so mm. it was kind of nice, and uh, you know. It was hard too, though. Um, we didn't release our album that year. We had to stop recording for like six months. So um, the year after, we actually did another show with Unleashed Archers where we released our album. Exactly one year after the fact, we were supposed to release our album. So that was cool. And, uh, you know, it was tough. Like we were on the road one time and I get a call from, uh, I'm not going to say who, but I get a call from a really good friend of mine who's like, man, what the hell? I'm going in there. The, the cops called me for to come in for a lie detector test. Mm -hmm. Like, what the heck is going on here? What happened? And why do you think I did it? Right. And that was really, really tough because in the back of your mind, you think, hey, your friend didn't do that. Like, they would never do something like that to you. 
but you have to respect the the law enforcement and and their investigation and they really really worked hard on this investigation they they had forensics they worked on it for like five months or six months they sent forensics to labs um they investigated individuals for like two or three months Mm -hmm. um it was it was a real a real deal um so that was tough too and uh luckily those they they understood but they were scared like the friends were scared that they were going to try and pin this on them or whatever it may be right well they might also think like did you point them in their direction so it might be something that they're not necessarily worried about the investigation but like why why do my friends think i did this or exactly and that was kind of the thing where i had to you know i wanted to say so badly to some of my friends like i don't you know i you know truly this is how i feel but like you can't you got to say hey man just go tell them what you know if you know anything and uh you know to get those phone calls while we're on the road is just tough and there are so many other things that i could just sit here and talk about but mm-hmm. uh, some details are probably better left unsaid for now but um that's what happened we uh we played the festivals we uh Got it all figured out. We we ended up recording the rest of the album, and a year later, we we released Lethal Revenge. And uh, it wasn't a perfect album, <laughs> you know, has its quirks, um, and but it's our first album we did it ourselves. So uh, definitely looking forward to the next because we know exactly what we want with the next. And you said you've uh, you've pretty much got your new music. I don't want to say new musical direction, but like you've changed a few things, made some things. Uh, a little bit better in your opinion, but what are some of the things that you'd like to remain consistent from your last album? Yeah. Um, just kind of, I always enjoyed, um, bands like Iron Maiden and dream theater and the journey mm-hmm. that they have in their music. So, um, I definitely, that's still a part of me. Um, I, that's what I would like to keep and, and just kind of the vibe and the aggression, the crossoverness between like punk and thrash, that kind of crossover vibe that's kind of huge what I'm into. So definitely keeping that. I know that you said you earlier that you don't have any of the new music recorded, but are you planning on playing some of the new music at loud as hell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we have now is we have an EP from lethal revenge after all this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrote four songs or so. And, uh, the lyrics are kind of based around what happened and we're kind of, we're going to release this EP called from the ashes. Okay. And it's basically exactly what it is, man. Uh, you know, if you think about farmers fields, they, they, they torch their fields in hopes that it comes back next season, twice as strong. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the mentality is like, you can't take us out. We're just going to release this music that we, you know, wrote during this time where we had to get out our frustrations. And um, so that's almost done recording. Uh, I'm actually going to finish recording some of the guitars tomorrow. And then I have one last vocal section to do and then it's done. So I was hoping to get it out by the tour. uh, But just like, with COVID shutting down, recording sessions and pushing everything back. I thought I could, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, but, um, but yeah, we'll probably have like at least one or two songs out, um, 
by then. But for sure, on this tour, we're going to play songs off that EP. And I'm going to talk about a little bit of our story, too, before I play it so, you, so people can understand the concept. And then uh, some new music, too. Awesome. And we'll, we'll play one or two tracks from Lethal Revenge. So Wicked. Yeah. So you guys have had, like, a, a bumpy road, to say the least. But, like, there's some really cool stuff about it, too. Yeah, it's it it's it's not smooth, but that's life, man. Mm-hmm. You know, life is full of bumps, and it's you either let that bump mess up what's in your trunk, or you just keep going, and you know that what's in there is still there. Just keep going and fight through it. I like that you keep pushing forward, and you're extremely humble as well. Like it shows in like through our conversation today, and obviously the little bit before the show. It's just like. Yeah, you're. You seem like a very genuine person. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. Um, so now, like a little bit about your personal musical tastes. I know we've touched on a few bands that you really uh, that you have enjoyed over time. Who are some of your favorite bands, and what music or what metal genres do you normally gravitate towards? Uh, I'm all over. Um, I love everything from Gorgira to old school uh metal like attacker um to acoustic music um one of my favorite acoustic artists is a good friend of mine his name is chris schultz he's from vancouver and it's just you know finger style acoustic i love that kind of stuff lately i've been into um more like solo artist guitarists uh nick johnson kiko luero uh chris schultz you know uh there's someone else called Larry that I just discovered. I'm I'm kind of going down this rabbit hole of, of guitar players. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm in love with music. Like, pretty much stay away from top forty. Um, but anything, man. If if it has a guitar in it, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a thumbs up. <laughs> and fair enough. There's a lot of um, different styles that like they use the guitars in different ways and it's like you can love the fast and technical stuff but there's nothing wrong with the slow groovy stuff either totally yeah my favorite band of all time is black sabbath Mm -hmm. and that'll that'll never change you know there's they they are so dynamic and that's what i love about them they're heavy they got beautiful sections of acoustics and pianos um amazing vocals and and fast parts some of the most original heavy metal riffs of all time so yeah uh, i'm all over but i generally gravitate towards like 70s 80s metal um that's where i go to that's my go-to do you find that there's a lot of like newer um newer and really good iterations of like 70s 80s metal i do actually uh a lot of a lot of younger bands are coming out and kind of going back to that style and just killing it. It's like, this is better than what came out. Um, yeah, it seems like they're they're kind of building on the foundations, but kind of keeping it true to, to their roots. Yeah, and there's what they call the new wave of thrash metal, mm-hmm. or the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, there's different genres for the new bands that have come out and, you know, it's just great. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of awesome music. That's definitely for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, talking about um, breaking the mold and stuff like that, um, there was there was an article on your Instagram about breaking the metal stereotype, and it was posted back in twenty sixteen. It's funny if I did this on my own, it'd be considered stalking, but because it's for a podcast, it's cool. Um, <laughs> so you touch on it's great... on there, man. That's the thing. It's like <laughs> people are like, "Oh, you you went all the way back," but it's like it's on there. Yeah, like we did it for that it. reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You touch on some very valid points in that article, but uh, do you see a stereotype that kind of still exists within metal or in specific metal scenes? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, you know, being a metalhead and a metal musician, deal with that often. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of time people meet me and they're like, oh, you're not what I thought you were. Or, you know, I expected you to be this. And that's, that's a hard thing sometimes because people think you're either not approachable or that you're, you have certain ideologies or you believe in certain things. But, um, you know, for me, I feel like I try to be open and just accept people. If you're a DJ or if you're a metalhead or if you're a businessman, right? Like whatever you do, that's you. And I just hope that you have a passion and you're following it. That's so uh, it's interesting to witness the stereotypes from people that maybe don't have that kind of perspective because I get that all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, what kind of, oh, you play in a band, what kind of band do you play? Oh, it's thrash metal. And then, you know, you instantly kind of get that, oh, I wasn't expecting that, you know? Yeah. And you just hope that they're open and willing enough to just give you a chance and, you know, get to know you. Like, a lot of the people I work with don't even know I play in a band. Like, you know, I just don't need, I don't, if they find out great, if they want to know more about me, great, you know, but it's just, it's a part of me that it, it's a part of me, but it's not all of me, you know? Yep. There's so many different levels to everybody. And uh, one of the things you said earlier was just to be a good person. I think if more people were good people and gave more people a chance, we'd be able to, dissect some of those layers and get more of an understanding yeah and if you're not hurting anybody and you know you're you're passionate about something and you're a good person you're gonna go places exactly you're gonna have followers and you're gonna have friends along the way so just be a good person be passionate and those people will surround you no worries man just do it that's my philosophy i think having an attitude like that is extremely important especially after like um a lot of the stuff you've gone through it's it's pretty pretty incredible to see so i'm glad that you're really down to earth and like i said earlier very genuine so on that note i want to thank you today skylar for uh taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me and i look forward to meeting you at loud as hell absolutely yeah i'm looking really forward forward to meeting you as well thank you so much for having me and uh hopefully i didn't talk your ear off too much um We'll have to chat again uh, loud as hell. Definitely. Um, for those people looking for your music, where's the best place for, for them to find it for you guys? Right now, uh, if you have Bandcamp, uh, they have a really awesome amp, uh, app that you can download. And uh, it's kind of like Spotify. You can play music and and go on, uh, you know, different web browsers and it's still playing and or close out your phone. It's awesome. So Bandcamp would be the best place to find us. Um Spotify, we're on there, Apple Music, YouTube. Um, we did have a website. We're going to get that back up and going. We just kind of took it down during COVID because not much was going on anyways. 
Um, but yeah, I would just go to Bandcamp, man. That's where all the cool bands are. That's where you can support them. Awesome. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you. Looking forward to meeting you in person. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.